0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Glenn. This podcast is intended for adult audiences only, so let's, let's be responsible, adults everywhere. And if you get easily offended, this podcast is not for you. You should probably go watch Mr. Rogers or something. Okay, cool. Good talk. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Glenn, and welcome to the Glenn Think Stuff podcast. If you're new, welcome and thank you for listening to my podcast. Uh, The name of the podcast kind of is, it's kind of self explanatory, so I'm not going to explain what this podcast is about, but I will explain that the podcast name title is self explanatory. (laughs) How is everyone doing? I'm doing pretty good. This has been an exciting week. I have been thinking about some things that I have wanted to share with you. And so it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good podcast. Before I get into the podcast, I thought that I would... Oh, excuse me. I'll edit that out. Let me write this down real quick. Edit out the burp. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I'll totally do that. You know me. Before I get into the podcast today, I thought that I would tell you a story that I just thought about randomly this week. I don't know what brought it back into my head because it happened probably about eight years ago or so. Maybe about eight and a half, something like that. But... uh. This this story about a co-worker came into my head. Not really a story, but like an experience that I had with a co-worker one time. And so I thought that I would tell, tell you it. Tell it to you today. Tell you about my experience today. And so this is the deal. So I worked a part-time job. Um, one of the part-time jobs. I've had a couple. But one of the part-time jobs that I had in addition to my full-time job was at this um, big store that sold electronics and I'm not going to tell you what store it was but it was the best place to buy electronics or at least they thought so I guess but um so I worked for this company and I'd work in the warehouse and what I would do is I would help bust out the truck when the trucks would come in a couple times a week I would go in and I would probably work about maybe between five and seven hours depending on the size of the truck. And we'd unload the truck and unbox everything and then put it onto the floor, right? So that was my job. Well, there was like a crew of us that did it, right? Well, one of the guys that did this with me was actually in the military. He was formerly, formerly, former, that's formerly, it's not formally. That's like getting decked out. It was formerly. He was formerly in the military. And um, I don't know the exact job that he had. From everything that I gathered, he was um, like a infantry, like the actual foot soldiers. And it was a really intense guy. This dude was intense. He was probably about my age, maybe a little bit younger than me, but he was just really... He was really this intense dude, right? And I get along with everybody, so it doesn't really matter, like, if you have an intense personality, I can get along with you. I'm more laid back, you know, but I like to have a chill work environment, and I like to get along with everybody, so I can find something in common that I have with everybody to talk about, you know? And so... So what happened was this took place, what I want to tell you about, this took place the day before Thanksgiving. And so we were prepping the store for Black Friday right after Thanksgiving. It was when stores still opened um, on Black Friday and not on Thanksgiving. Um, And so we were getting the store ready for Black Friday. So it was a really long work day. So I had worked a shift at my full-time job, I'd worked an eight-hour shift, and then I would, I'd would i gone to my part-time job, and I was probably in about my, I don't know, probably seventh or eighth hour because we were working late at night to try to get everything done because it was such a big deal that this company make a lot of money on that day. And so I remember I was putting GPSs up And I was just exhausted because I was, I mean, it was probably, let's see, I want to say maybe my 17th or 18th hour of work at this point. And so I'm sitting there working, and I was really tired. I was just exhausted. And, you know, I said, man, I'm tired. I'm ready to bounce, you know. And I've, I, I always got along with this guy and I was, I was just like, dude, I'm ready to bounce. I'm ready to go. And I wasn't trying to complain, but it was more like I was saying it to myself. You know, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm past the point of done. I'm ready to bounce. And I just said it out loud, like I'm tired. And he just turned to me and he said, that's cause you're a bitch. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to try to be crass or whatever, but that's really what he said to me, right? And I was like, dude, do you realize that this is your only job and I work, you know, a full-time job? And like, what's your problem, man? You got a problem? Yeah, I didn't say any of that stuff. I said that in my mind. My real reaction was probably like, "No." uh nuh-uh. and uh and I just remember being like whoa dude you know like let's take it back a notch you know maybe we need to reevaluate some things in our relationship and I just kind of played it off and was like whatever man and um and I was just like whoa that was weird you know that he did that to me maybe he has like PTSD or whatever it is that soldiers have, you know, and I didn't know what his background was, so I wasn't, you know, I don't think of myself as as the way that he evidently thought of me, but I did not know if he had ever killed anyone before, and so I just don't like being dead, you know, and I didn't want to be dead on the day before Thanksgiving, and so I just played it off and was like, alright, dude, Well, then on actually on Black Friday, when I got to work, they said, "Okay, you go into the warehouse with this guy. And and what we'll do is we wore these little earpieces. And when they needed big items brought to the front to customer service, because there were so many people in the store, they would radio us. And it was our job to bring that stuff up to the front of the store. So I was like, cool. I'll go back there with with this intense person and we'll even each other out. And so I went back there and he was back there and they were radioing us a lot because a lot of people buy stuff on Black Friday. And so they were constantly telling us to bring stuff up, you know, and we're like, all right, and you got to work a little bit faster, right? But to keep up with everything that's going on in the store on that day. And so... You know, it was it was, I guess, kind of a stressful environment, because if you work retail on Black Friday, you know that it's kind of a fast paced, more stressful environment than usual. And so I didn't think anything of it. I was just going with the flow. Well, they kept radioing. We both had radios on and I remember standing there and he was standing there and they radioed us and he just ripped he, he actually ripped the earpiece off his ear, took the radio off his belt, opened the trash compactor, threw the radio into the trash compactor, and then turned the trash compactor on, right? And uh I'm just standing there <laughs> just standing there like saying, Well, you know, I guess I'm the only one that they can communicate with now. You know, and and I thought back to what he'd said to me a couple days before. And, you know, I just stood there saying, yeah, I'm really glad that I'm not dead right now. So I've been thinking about all kinds of things this week. And one of the things that I actually thought this week, it was a thought that I had this week, was about moldy cheese, right? And a lot of people really enjoy eating moldy cheese. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, why is that? Why do people, you know, like to eat moldy cheese so much, you know? And there's stuff like blue cheese, and there is other kinds of cheese that I've seen where it's actually moldy. And people really enjoy it. And some of these cheeses are really expensive cheeses, right? And they're spoiled. They're spoiled. And so I was thinking, well, cheese is, you know, good. I like a good piece of cheese every now and again. I'm a cheese... I wouldn't say I'm a cheese connoisseur, but I do like a nice Gouda or something like that. And... I was like, well, it's not supposed to be spoiled, you know? And when did it become acceptable for cheese to be spoiled? You know, because basically what it is, is a spoiled food that they're selling, and they're even making salad dressings and other things out of this spoiled cheese. And, you know, the health inspector's like, oh, that's cool, because they said that it's okay for this, actually this kind of food to be spoiled, right? it's not all right. It's not okay. Don't lie. It is spoiled because it gets mold on it. And when when things get mold on it, it's spoiled. And so I was thinking, well, where did this all start? You know, where did we go wrong? (laughs) And when did it be all right? You know, when did it start to be all right to sell people spoiled food? And I was thinking there was probably like this cheese maker Back in the day, like a long time ago, that made like he just had a surplus of cheese and it wasn't moving fast enough. And then it started to go bad, it started to mold. And he maybe he sunk his life savings into this whole, you know, cheese making thing, you know. And he's like, I'm gonna show my parents, I'm gonna show my dad. Maybe he had issues with his father, you know, and he's his father's like, Don't be an idiot. There's not a market for such a large amount of cheese in our township. (laughs) And this dude just sunk his whole life savings into making all this cheese, and then it went bad because nobody wanted it. And then he said, well, no, it's supposed to be, and actually the cheese that's rotted is actually more expensive, and it's for people with, you know, with the taste for finer things. And so I was thinking about the sham this week, and, you know, it got old, it got out of date, you know, it's not supposed to be moldy and rotten, you know, if you like blue cheese, which I'm not a huge blue cheese fan, but if you like blue cheese, you know, that's cool, I'm not judging you at all, I'm just being honest, you know, so if you want to eat rotted food, I'm just, you know, that's, that's no, no judgment here at all. But I saw another thing about meat. And they do the same thing with meat. There's like aged beef, right? There's aged beef, like aged steak. And people eat this stuff up. And it's more expensive if it's old. If it's old. And I was like, what's up with people liking all this old stuff? Why do they want food? Why do you want to take something and put it in your body if it's not fresh? Like if somebody grows something... In a garden say there's a green bean farmer and he grows all these green beans you want fresh green beans you know you want the green beans to snap you know you don't want them to bend or to have mold on them or to be rotten and you definitely wouldn't pay more for a busted green bean but why do you why do you and why do you buy cheese and meat That's so old. Like, what's up with that? And you can say, well, the it has a certain twang to it. I I know that rich people don't say words like that when they're tasting fine wines and things like that. Because there's old bottles of wine. I've seen things on TV where people buy old bottles of wine. And I would much rather have a glass of fresh sweet tea myself or something like that. But, you know, they're tasting all this old wine that's expired. And, you know, they're like, oh, that was a good year. That's a good year. That's a good year for it to expire. That's a good expiration date. Yeah, the twang that you're tasting, it means that it's old and it's not supposed to go into your body anymore, is what that means. But I was like, well, people eat old meat. Why What? Why do they like old meat so much? So I read something about it, and it, it said that the tissue in the meat starts to break down. The tissue in the beef actually starts to break down. And I said, well, what's that good for? You know, like people with no teeth? <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it easier to chew and it just doesn't make sense to me it kind of has me baffled a little bit if you have an answer hit me up because i didn't come to any kind of conclusion i've i've thought for a long time that if you put a high enough price tag on anything like art or you know caviar or you know whatever it is like people with money want to have that because because like they feel like normal like lower class people beneath them can't afford these the finer things in life but some of the finer foods in life and the finer drinks in life are just expired you know and it's a huge sham and people just i guess it's been going on for so long it's become socially acceptable to eat moldy rotten food And it was just something funny that I thought about today. And I was like, well, I'll just have fresh everything because I don't have as many dollars as those people. And they can eat all the, you know, all the moldy, rotted food. But it actually kind of did rub me the wrong way when I thought about it for a long time. Because if you don't have a lot of money, I think that if you like to eat moldy, and old meat and moldy cheeses and expired wine i think that broke people with no teeth should be able to eat that stuff to their heart's content that's just that's just my personal belief that's just my morals (laughs) but that's just something that i thought about this week something else that i was thinking about this week and i actually saw something about it Somewhere online because I I enjoy reading about this particular festival and I thought that I would talk to you about it today. And it's something that I wanted to talk to you about for a while is the Burning Man Festival. I love the Burning Man Festival. I've never been. I don't know if I'll ever go. It's something that maybe I should have done when I was a little bit younger than now without the responsibilities that I have now. But um, but it's so man, it is such an awesome looking festival. It's called the Burning Man Festival and it's a week long festival. I think it's going to happen in August this year and it's in northwest Nevada in the Black Rock Desert. And what it is, is um, there are these people that make this city in the middle of the desert and they call it. I think it's called Black Rock City, and um, it's all about, the whole festival is about pushing the boundaries within yourself and expressing yourself freely, you know, which is just, it's really cool, Um, it's a really cool concept to me because I've never seen anything like it, I guess. And there are actually Burning Man has 10 principles, and I'm reading these because I don't sit around memorizing the 10 principles of Burning Man. But the 10 principles are radical inclusion, gifting, decomp, what is that word? Decommodification decommodification, radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, communal effort, civic responsibility, leaving no trace, participation, immediacy, right? And so that's kind of a little picture. Those principles give you a little picture of what it's like there. And it's really, when I've read about it and I've seen stuff about it, it's so appealing to me. Um, And I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about how we kind of all live in this box, right? And you think you know yourself, but do you really know yourself, right? Other people molded who you are. When you're born, like your parents' uh, values and beliefs kind of help mold you what you're exposed to the experiences you have but there's only one you there's only one you and have you really have i ever really gotten in touch with my true self and been completely free You know, maybe being completely free is not good for everybody because there there are a lot of laws. And I'm not talking about like if you have the urge, if you're like a psychopath or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is expressing yourself as an individual completely like letting go of every... uh, maybe everything that holds you back from being yourself, you know? And I think that you really have to dig deep and look deeply within yourself to get in touch with who you really are. And I was thinking about Burning Man this week, and I was thinking about myself, and I was like, do I really know? Does Glenn really know who he is, you know? And I was like, no, probably not. You know, I'm comfortable with the version of myself um, that I am today, but I was, I was born and, you know, you, you go through life and, and you're told these are the steps that you go through. This is, you know, this is what you should believe. Maybe, I think a lot of kids are brought up like, this is what you should believe, but, you know, you can pick for yourself, but this is why you are, you should believe what we're telling you because our parents told us the same thing. And, you know, you live in the society, but if you really think about it, you were the only one born in the exact second that you were born. There were, there might have been other people in other parts of the country or other parts of the world that were born in that same exact second, but they weren't exposed to the same things that you were exposed to. And your parents you know, the DNA and your whole genetic makeup and how you tick and how your brain works and the things that you just naturally are good at or naturally like, that makes you a a unique individual. And there's not another person like you anywhere in the world. There's only everybody who's ever lived. I think that we see some similarities just in basic human behavior But we see those similarities, and I'm sure that I sound so stupid, and somebody's like, this isn't even making any sense. But, you know, you see those similarities that people have, but we're all in this little box, you know, and we're all in this society, and this is the way that we do things, and... And we do a lot of things the same way because somebody told us that that is the best way to do what we do. You know, but complete freedom is a refreshing thought, especially if you have an imagination, right? And so it's really kind of a strange festival, but if you look at it with an open mind, I think that it's something that everybody could embrace. You know, just the idea of this is cool. And it's on this desert. It's on this dusty desert. And I think they call it the playa. And there are these little communities, which is just awesome. And um, people work together to for food and to make everything work throughout the week. There are these huge art displays that are just beautiful. They're massive And just unique and creative, like, some of the most creative art that I've ever seen. And it's just people expressing themselves, you know, through art. And there are people, people dress all crazy at the Burning Man. Um, But I think that I could be there and (laughs) be cool because if it was somebody dressed all jacked up, you know, I'd be like, well, they're just expressing theirself. And there does seem to be the sense of community there because everybody's going there with that intent, I think. Maybe not everybody. There's probably people that go there to, to party and to, to get high or to whatever. But I think there's a lot of people that go there. I've read businessmen go there and all kinds of really successful people go there um, just to express themselves freely. And it kind of reminded me, I'm a huge Dr. Seuss fan. Dr. Seuss is probably my favorite author. And I was like, huh, so this is kind of like Dr. Seuss for adults, huh? But, <laughs> but it really it really is a cool thing. You know, if you've never heard of it, it's something that, you know, you should definitely check out. Um, I think that it, the, going to the Burning Man would be cool. But uh, yeah, there's only one one you and there's only one me. And it made me think a lot about do I really do I really know myself and understand what makes me tick? And maybe there's some kind of passion in me, something that I'm good at that I don't even know about. And you know it was just a thought that I had this week, but I won't talk about it. I won't keep rambling about it any further. So uh, so here is a poem about a beaver. I am a little beaver. I scurry all around. I gnaw on bits of wood that grow out of the ground. My daddy is a beaver too, but not as nice as I. He slaps me with his floppy tail and spits into my eye. I built a lovely dam for him with my only eye to see. He climbed atop my masterpiece and then he went. So if you listen to my podcast, you know that I have been on a sideshow kick. Uh, Well, at least last week I was when I talked about Myrtle Corbin. If you did not hear my previous episode, I talked about a lady that toured with Barnum Sideshow that had four legs. She had four legs. And so I'm kind of on a little kick where I've been reading about different people in sideshows this week. And, I mean, just bear with me. Let me get it out of my system. Because as soon as I do, I wander to the next shiny thing like a child. Because that's just what I do. But, um, so I was reading this week about the Lobster Boy, right? And there's this guy named Grady Stiles. And he was the Lobster Boy. And I was like, oh, well, that's crazy. Because on American Horror Story, which some of their characters are loosely based on, like, real people... They had a season called Freak Show, and they had the Lobster Boy in the Freak Show season. And, uh, and so I was reading about all these different people that used to be in sideshows, and this just grabbed my attention because it was the Lobster Boy, and it said he murdered someone. And so my curiosity was just sitting there minding its own business as I was going to boot my day in reading. And then when it said that the lobster boy murdered someone, my curiosity was peaked. It became peaked when I read that. So I thought that I would tell you the story about Grady Styles today, right? And so Grady Styles was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1937, right? And he was named Grady. <laughs> and I was like, who names their kid Grady? Why would you name your kid Grady. That's like naming your daughter Trixie. Like, you don't name your kid Grady. Oh, here comes old dirty old Grady. You yeah, know, I don't think that that's a hot name. Maybe that was a hot name in 1937, but in 2019. And I, I mean, if your name's Grady, I'm talking about everybody but you <laughs> right now. But anyway, so old dirty old Grady was born with a rare medical condition that ran in his family it was called ectrodactyly ectrodactyly i think that i'm saying that right if i'm not tell me about it so what it pretty much is more commonly known as to people such as i is the lobster claw syndrome right and what it is 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 you're born if you're born with the syndrome you're missing your middle finger and the two fingers on each side are fused together, right? And sometimes it affects the people's feet. And in Grady's and old Grady, I do like saying Grady. It kind of reminds me of saying gravy, which is just weird, because you wouldn't name your kid Gravy, but old Grady. Here come old Grady. But uh but in some (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am tired. I worked this weekend and I am tired. So that is my um disclaimer. But uh, anyway, sometimes it affects people's feet. And in uh, Mr. Grady's um, case, it actually affected his feet, too. And so his dad actually toured with sideshows as the lobster man, right? And so his dad was like, oh, this is great. Grady can start touring as the lobster boy. And so his dad got him into the sideshow circuit at seven years old right? And I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, what would it be like to be seven years old and have like a deformity and for your parents to put you on display, travel around and put you on display for people to just stare at, you know? And, and I don't know, I don't think, I haven't looked up if this is still a thing, if sideshows are still a Thing. I know there's Ripley's, believe it or not, but I don't know if like traveling sideshows are really. I don't think that they are as big as they used to be, even if they exist in other countries or if they exist at all because of the internet and TV and technology and all that stuff. But anyway, so I was just like, what would. How did Grady feel? You know, did, I'm sure that he wanted to be in like a kid that wasn't didn't stand out sometimes you know but maybe he did dig the attention i didn't read his biography or anything but um but anyway he could not get around i mean he couldn't walk around so he used a wheelchair and he crawled around well anyway as he got older he met this girl who had run away to join the carnival at 19 she was 19 years old and her name was mary Teresa. and i was just like well if you run away to join a carnival, then maybe you might have a couple issues or you weren't getting along in your home life. I really don't know Mary Teresa's um, background, but she ran away to join the carnival, and she met Grady, um, who was in the sideshow circuit. And the two fell in love, and they actually married and had several kids, and... Um, Two of the kids had the same claw syndrome that old, dirty old Grady had, right? And so for a while they toured as the lobster family, right? And so as their lives progressed together, Grady actually started drinking and turns out that the lobster boy is a violent drunk, and so he became abusive toward Mary, towards his wife. And she divorced Grady. Um, they had an episode and uh, and a violent ep- He attacked her. And it said in the article that I read that she promptly divorced him, you know, at that point. Grady remarried um, for his second marriage. He, he got remarried. And I was just thinking, I was like, the lobster boy got remarried. I guess that the lobster boy had game and he was popular with the ladies, I suppose. And um, he was still a drunk, you know, and he became violent towards his second wife and she divorced him. So years went by, right, and Grady's still a drunk, but he's kind of a low-key lobster boy doing his thing. Old drunk old Grady and um and so in 1978 his oldest daughter fell in love with this dude right and Grady did not approve of his daughter's fiance and so the day before the wedding um Grady killed his daughter's fiance with a shotgun well needless to say he got pinched <laughs> uh well i thought that was good i'm sorry Um, He confessed, you know, he confessed, yeah, I did it, you know. But the thing that his lawyers played up was that he could not get adequate medical care if he went to prison because um, he had, you know, he was a drunk. He had drank so much, he had smoked for years, and he actually had cirrhosis of the liver and emphysema, um, on top of the whole claw thing, right? And so his his lawyers were like, "Yeah, he did it, but he can't get the care that he needs in prison." And so Grady Stiles was actually convicted of 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 murder, um, and received fifteen years probation. Fifteen years probation for murdering someone, right? And so he kind of felt invincible after that, you know, because he he murdered someone and pretty much got away with it you know probation for murder is a slap on the wrist I don't I feel kind of bad even calling it that it's not even a slap on the wrist you know for what he did but that's what he got and he became really arrogant and cocky and for some strange reason I know that I said before that uh, Mary Teresa, Might have had issues. Um, She ran away with him. Um, You know. She ran away with the carnival. When she was young. And in 1989. His first wife remarried him. Right. His first wife. In 1989. Mary remarried. Old dirty old Grady. And I was just like. Whoa. That's (laughs) great! She's crazy. Because he had killed their daughter's their daughter's fiance. And so that was just, you know, in 1978. And, you know, 11 years later, Mary remarries Grady, right? Well, Grady has like progressed in his drinking. And um, he actually was more abusive than he was before. And, you know, the previous marriage that they had had, he became more abusive. And, you know, Mary got to a point where she had had enough, and, like, she didn't have enough before, but in 1992, three years after they got married, Mary paid the neighbor, their neighbor, um, a man by the name of Chris Wyant, to kill Grady, right? She said, I've had enough of my drunk, abusive husband. I'll give you 1500 bucks." This was in 1992, so this is kind of fairly recently, well... I guess fairly recently, if you're my age, I guess it's not really, really recently. What was that 27 years ago? May, yeah, man. Anyways, she paid the neighbor Chris Wyant 1500 bucks to kill Grady. And Chris Wyant shot Grady in the head while Grady was sitting there watching TV. What was he he's watching? Deadliest Catch? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I shouldn't make light of this. I'm sorry. I'm tired. That is my excuse. But anyway, so, of course, Mr. Wyatt got got caught, you know, and Mary got caught. And Chris Wyatt actually um, was convicted and sentenced to 27 years in prison. And Mary was convicted, and she was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Wait a minute, 92... Oh, so this Chris Wyatt fella, if he did the 27 years, he should be getting out this year, right? I don't know how much they do. I wonder if the guy that killed the lobster boy got out of prison. Hmm, I didn't even notice that until right now, as I'm telling you the story. But I just thought that that was a crazy story. That the lobster boy, you know, toured with carnivals, and then he ended up getting pinched for a murder and convicted and got a slap on the wrist and then his wife remarried him and had him killed. So that's the story of Lobster Boy. And then everyone lived happily ever after and thank you Glenn for ending your podcasts. It's like I talk about stuff that's good and then at the end I like to bring it on down. That's just what I do here. I'm sorry. I'll get off the sideshow thing next week. Maybe. Maybe I won't. You never know. It's a surprise. Check me out. Check in again next week. While you're listening, you should go ahead and subscribe if you have not already. Um, If you can, go to iTunes and leave me a review. That would be cool. If not, you don't have to. It's not really that big of a deal to me. I just want to say thank you for listening to the Glenn Think Stuff Podcast. Thank you for all of your support and your kind words. Um, I've had a lot of cool people. I've met a lot of cool people doing this, and um, I really, I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate the support and the kindness and the friends that I've made. And if you want to hear me talk about a particular subject, I'll give you my take on whatever subject you got, um, as long as it's not political or religious or something that people really uh, fight over all the time. Uh, I think that it's important to have your beliefs, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that, that talk about those things that are better equipped than I. And I just like to bring people together and think about some stuff and laugh about some stuff and just be ridiculous every week. (laughs) That's kind of what I do. It's kind of something that, I don't know, I've grown kind of to where I like doing this every week. Not that I didn't before, but I'm comfortable now. I'm comfortable whispering into your ears in this moment. But anyway, you can hit me up. You can email me, glennthinkstuff at yahoo.com. glennthinkstuff at yahoo.com. And just tell me what you got, and I'll talk about it. You can also follow me on Twitter, at glennthinkstuff is my handle. And that's when new episodes drop. I throw them up. I try to throw up reminders every day about the latest episode that I have. Um, I follow a lot of other podcasters. So I will put other podcasts on my Twitter page um, that you should check out. Because there's all kinds of people. We're all so unique. And all of these unique people that, that I know are doing all of these unique podcasts and it's really a beautiful, uh, it's really a beautiful thing. You know, it's like a little, it's like voice art. It's like brain voice art. But uh, but I'm really I'm really humbled um, by um, the fact that you're listening right now. And what else do I have? I always do this at the end i forget oh let me tell you something so i'm on twitter at glenn think stuff i am now officially on instagram you can follow me there uh i i'm trying to become an influencer uh glenn is what i call it just because i think that the whole influencer movement is just ridiculous and um or I take that back. I don't think it's ridiculous. I think other influencers are ridiculous, but not me. So you should. So you should. So you should follow me on Instagram, and I think that I'll just take pictures of things, like my food and and selfies, and I give them to you so you can do as I. I guess that's how Instagram works. Look at my awesome life. But thank you guys. Love you guys, and I'll talk to you next week. Peace out.